0: Welcome to the Art and Life podcast, where we discuss art, life, and the philosophy behind both. I'm your host, Taylor Gallegos. Join me as I interview creatives of all kinds and learn what makes them tick, how their process works, what they go through, what they feel. Hopefully you get as much inspiration out of this as I do, so... Strap in and let's go for a ride. You can always edit a bad page. You can't edit a blank page by Jody Picolt. Today on the podcast, I've got my mom, Ann Mitchell. Uh, she and I speak about inspiration, teaching, world history. Uh, she's a writer, a creative, a teacher. A seamstress, all sorts of fun things. And uh, yeah, we have a really nice conversation here. So hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Art and Life podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Gallegos. And today we've got a very special distinguished guest, my mother, Anne Marie Mitchell. Um, she is a teacher, a writer, a seamstress, uh a mother creative all these different things and i thought she'd be great to have on the podcast um to really get things going so mom thanks for being here
1: well thanks for having me taylor
0: <laughs> um i guess to start out why don't you uh just give us a little you know brief update on who you are where you're from you know a little life story
1: all right um little life story. It all started in Cleveland, Ohio, a long time ago. Ann Marie Mitchell was born and um, she was a bit of a wild human being to begin with. Um, I'll switch B <laughs> to I. Anyway, um, <laughs> I was really, really imaginative and I lived in my books a lot and if I wasn't in my books, I was out riding my bike or running around or swimming. Or So I went from sort of sitting in corners and sitting and reading in trees to, you know, being out, out, out moving in the world. Um, my mom was really creative. And so we were always doing crafts and art projects. And I was always gluing and pasting and cutting and um i learned to sew when i was a little girl um and i started writing poetry when i was a little girl so um my imagination was pretty constantly fed and i was always uh i never got bored cuz i was always thinking of like <laughs> creative ideas in my head and i was always i i was i still always amuse myself whenever time is quiet. Um, I think I've really gotten off my life story, but (laughs) that's um... so then I, uh, let's see, grew up in Cleveland, went to college in Indiana, um, dropped out of college for a while and lived in Jackson Hole, Wyoming as a ski bum. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, Went
1: back, graduated from Purdue University with a degree in English and then waited tables because that was about all I could do with a degree in English at that point. Um, and then um, my family happened. <laughs> so I, a lot of my creative energy went into raising children and um, becoming Thanks an uh, part of me.
0: Thanks for doing that, by the way.
1: Oh, you're welcome. Pleasure. Um, <laughs> and it was a pleasure. I really I really loved um I still love being a mom. It's maybe one of my best creative acts yet. <laughs> um cuz you guys are pieces of work. Um
0: it's a nice way to say it.
1: Yes. Yes. That's uh if you don't know that's a Shakespearean expression. Really? Yes, what a piece of work is a man. Um,
0: from yeah. what? From Hamlet. Hamlet. Okay.
1: I believe. Oh, geez. Yeah, it put me on the spot.
0: <laughs>
1: it might be Macbeth.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, let me. I'll have to check that. Reference we'll, we'll fact
0: check it later. We'll put it okay, in. We'll
1: okay. We'll do fact checking yeah (laughs) um anyway so then i went and i got my teaching certificate i was a high school teacher and then i got to teach um college and then i sort of quit sort of retired from teaching and began a sewing business and all along through it i've i still read a lot and write a lot and here i am
0: yeah yeah and currently you're visiting me in uh, Carlsbad, California, having a little vacation. I am. Yes, with I Chris.
1: Must, I really love little vacations. Oh, yeah. I'm really good at it.
0: You're really good at having little vacations.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> it's yep. a skill and you have to develop it.
1: Yep. Yep.
0: Um, well, what would you say? I mean, there's there's so much to dive into. Um. Yeah, I guess one place I really would like to have you talk about would be your uh, your writing and your your love of writing and other people's writing and reading and, and that sort of thing. And like, you know, maybe you could start with when you really remember diving into it, or some like when something really hit you first. Um,
1: oh well, I the. Oh, geez. I remember actually learning to write, like physically, like how to write the letters and then how to write in cursive. And then it it didn't occur to me for a while that I got to use writing to express my ideas. Um, I think I wrote my first poem when I was in fourth grade, maybe. And it was um, a limerick. And I still remember it. Really? Um, yeah. You want to hear it? Yeah. Um, there once was a girl named Ann. She fell in love with a pan. Said her mother to her, you're making me whir. Now please fall in love with a man.
0: <laughs>
1: That's fourth grade Ann Marie Mitchell.
0: That's pretty good. <laughs> um, <laughs>
1: Uh yeah. So um like whenever I taught from the handbook of poetic forms, I always used that brilliant limerick as an example. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um yeah, so I started, you know, I started writing um in elementary school and then you know, poetry was always a really um big thing in mine. I often instead of writing eight-page papers, wrote eight poems, you know. So uh, my professors didn't always appreciate it, but I thought it was brilliant. Um, you know, and I, I started writing essays pretty young, too, and I remember, um, I don't know, I just remember how much fun it was to explore my ideas. And then um, as an English teacher, I got to sort of share that idea that writing is just really fun, and if you can talk, you can write. Um You know, that's not like a magic thing that you have to know grammar and all that stuff because we all innately do know grammar. Like it's just part of, we we know how to talk. So we know grammar. We might not know all the words for it, but we know it. Uh, Yeah.
0: Yeah, and I mean, there's different kinds of, yeah. Some people might not know proper grammar, but they know grammar in terms of the language that they were raised in.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm definitely not one of those people that, you know, if you speak to me and you don't use the exact proper English that I, you know, I'm not going to like correct you or something like that. I might not even if I'm your writing teacher, depending on what the, what the error is. But, um, I believe that writing is, um, meaning making like you share your meaning with somebody else and if we can understand it it doesn't matter if it's you know correct to some standard that isn't necessary to apply to everything
0: yeah well and it it comes down to the intention of the art form and what the project is and um so much of the intention of a piece of art, like a painting or or something. It's not about the perfectness of it or, or yeah, how you would grade it. Like, especially once you get out into the real world, right. It's like the only thing that really matters is the effect of the message of the art of the, the painting, the song, whatever. Like I think a lot of people get really caught up when they're making their own art, they get caught up in the perfection of it. Right and um they think that the that other people will be like grading them or something when when i think you know some people will some people will notice the imperfections and they'll get hung up on that but that's almost like in their own reality and it's like that's their thing and if they can't extract the content then that's sort of like they're they're kind of missing out
1: well you know when i taught um When I taught English at CSU, um, I actually was instructed really well on a lot of things. And one of the things that was stressed was every piece of writing, um, the thing you start with is deciding what your purpose is with the piece of writing, who your audience is, and what the context is, what the situation is that you're writing within. So it's... um, you know, you can tailor <laughs> tailor um, <laughs> your nice. your um, writing to fit those criteria. You know, if you if your purpose is to get into graduate school, well, then of course you're going to want your grammar to be impeccable. But if your purpose is to send out a message to your friends saying, "Hey," you know, we're gathering at this place, they don't care what your grammar is. Um, Yeah. So anyway.
0: Yeah, and then when you're, and if your purpose is to reach a wide audience, then you're going to want to, like, simplify things down to the lowest common denominator that makes sense to everybody. Um,
1: As long as you're not using the lowest common denominator to be a negative thing. You know, like just simplified perhaps you know i, I don't right because that seems to have a bit of a native, negative connotation
0: yeah no I, I guess i'm thinking like the lowest common denominator that it will effectively communicate mm-hmm. the message mm-hmm. uh, yeah not to like dumb it down um right. you know or like l- lose the essence of it right Um, maybe uh, talk a little bit about some of your main sources of uh, creative inspiration these days.
1: Hmm. That's a good question. And mm-hmm. when someone says that's a good question, often that's their way of stalling. And <laughs> saying, <laughs> is
0: that, is that <laughs> saying,
1: "Wow, I haven't really thought of that." Well, I, I don't know. I feel like for so many things uh, nature is a source of inspiration um you know being I, i mean one of my favorite things to do is to hike by myself and just um you know just sort of chat with myself the whole time and often when i'm doing that the rhythm of walking the um All the input from the trail and the trees and the mountains around me. Um, You know, sometimes just like sort of spontaneously, there I am with just an awesome line of poetry, a place to start. Um, Sometimes, you know, if it's as short as a limerick, I create the whole thing. Um, But I think... um, You know, and sort of expanding on that is the whole, like, rhythm of life is really um, inspirational for poetry in particular. Um, Oh, yeah. You know, sometimes. the
0: cadence of it and flow. Pardon me? Like the cadence of it and the flow and beat to what's going on.
1: Yep. Yeah, so I would say nature is a big inspiration. Sometimes, um, you know, for writing, often, like, problems or dilemmas are good places to start. Like, what am I thinking? What do I want? Where shall I go? You know, those are sometimes inspirational places to start. Start with a question.
0: Yeah, you always, uh, in your writing classes... That you taught at September School in Boulder, you would often have people start with a uh, like ten minute, you know, um, oh, free flow absolutely. writing. Absolutely,
1: um, that that came um, from Natalie Goldberg's book "Writing Down the Bones," where um, mm-hmm. she recommends writing practice, which is um, yeah. basically ten minutes of um, writing to start the day and we would i would do it in every class so i would get you know five times 10 minutes every day um but basically it's it's writing with um just your writer present you leave your editor out of it so it's all just tossing ideas and thoughts onto the paper not worrying about spelling punctuation grammar uh or anything and just um starting there and i i found that that was a really wonderful way to um to free students up from all the all the teachers that told them they couldn't write and all the voices in their heads that were saying no 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 you're not good enough because they just they could be um they could use their own voices and they really developed a, i saw it consistently that they developed as writers and speakers And then I, you know, that's always there for a writer to go back to do, to start a rough draft Mm -hmm. there. Yep. Started. And and then actually, when I went to CSU, I started every class with a question of the day. And that was also a way to provoke thought. We didn't always write it, sometimes we did, sometimes we just Mm -hmm. talked about it, but um, I could hear everyone's voice every day and look in everyone's eyes. Connect. Connect. Yeah, those those were two of my favorite teaching techniques, actually, was the 10-minute was the <laughs> uh, timed writing and the question of the day.
0: Well, I think there was, they're really good because, I mean, the timed writing connects the student with themselves, and then the question of the day connects them with you, the teacher, and, like, gets them expressing it or at least like thinking about it.
1: Right. Right. And, and not everyone had to answer, but they did have to look me in the eye and say, I pass. (laughs) So, you know, in that there was their voice and their participation.
0: Yeah. I really like, uh, so you got me a book a while ago called the war of art (laughs) and I forget who wrote that, but it was a great book. I definitely recommend it to anybody who does any creative work. And one thing that the author made clear was that like, in order for lightning to strike, like the storm has to be in place and it has to be there regularly. So like a daily writing, a daily journal, a daily, I've played with um, like a sketch a day, a lot throughout my career. And um, it's like, magic isn't always going to happen and you just have to accept that and you just have to do the practice of writing daily or drawing daily or painting daily or playing or whatever but the more you're there then it creates the possibility of that magic to strike and when you're not there there's a guaranteed fact that it's not going to happen
1: yeah yeah
0: there's, I've always really liked that flow.
1: Yeah, yeah. So if if there's a reason Natalie Goldberg calls it writing practice is because that's what it is, and everything else we do to get better we practice. So, um, you know, I used to tease my students that it got their writing muscles working, and yeah. and it was funny because in the beginning their hands hurt after 10 minutes you know but by the end it was no big deal and you know we'd even have days where we would you know write for all 50 minutes just letting it flow
0: whoa yeah
1: yeah because our writing muscles were in shape by the end of the semester
0: yeah and it's like I mean I played soccer throughout my life and you know the practice makes it so that when you're in a game and everything's on the line and you're Playing against someone who's really good your body just does it and I don't like I wouldn't have to think about trying to score the goal because my body knew what to do and so then right yeah you, you got to get those hours in and get that flow going I'll bet they like by the time they were doing those hour-long sessions they probably loved them oh. or at oh, least yeah
1: if explore. if there was a day when they came into class and I was like you know we have too much to do today we can't do our 10-minute writing they would for the most part, you know, say, please, can we just do it? Can we squeeze it in? And I've had students, um, you know, from years and years ago, come up and say, you know, I still do that. I still write regularly. I do my free writing before I start any project or I still have my, it it, it meant a lot. People really enjoyed it. Um, and I, I know I have mountains of journals, (laughs)
0: from yep. <laughs> oh, I'm, and I've got sure. thousands of drawing books too and I always tell people that have kids that are creative who like to do art I always say like one thing that I feel like my mom did really well was she just kept me supplied with art supplies and you just got to like keep that creativity like burning keep that fire burning
1: oh yeah well you were easy you know what to get Taylor for his birthday. Oh, sketchbook and you know whatever whatever <laughs> medium you were into at that point—watercolors, chalk, pen and ink, sharpies—you know just keep feeding the art supplies. <laughs> yeah. And the great thing with writing is all you need is um, a pen and a notebook. And and yes, of course, writing happens on computers as well. Um, yeah, I still often do my first drafts on paper, at least the beginning of them. And then I finish, you know, I've written so much that I can certainly write on a computer, but usually start with pen and paper or pencil and paper.
0: Well, we were talking about this the other day about the difference and like what you get from handwriting. Maybe talk about that a little bit.
1: Well, you know, I I don't know how it really really relates to art but I know it as far as if I want to remember something I write it by hand because even if I never go back and look at it uh, that memory has been imprinted on my brain for me because I maybe because I wasn't brought up in you know writing on a computer things can like go through my fingers onto a computer and I don't actually it doesn't get imprinted on my brain, but it does if I write it. And like, even, you know, when I was taking notes in college and, and grad school, I would take notes. And when I went to a test, I could picture those notes and like where it was on the page, even the answer to certain um, questions. And I, I, I think, I don't know. I think there's some brain hand page connection that's pretty big. Um, although with poetry, you never quite know until you type it and see it on a page what that's gonna look like. Cause that's, that's a whole nother world. That's, how, that's like how the audience would see it.
0: Um, yeah, poetry is almost like a visual art as yes, well.
1: Yes, very much. Um, although then there's spoken word poetry, which most people never see on the page that's just you know they hear it and watch the performer so that's a whole different you know it's oh it's fun to think about just how complex it all is
0: oh yeah and and like interwoven and i um i got to see this spoken word guy named in q who is amazing you can check him out on youtube and and see his poetry performed and he's so expressive and so he's almost like and he uses his voice and the speed and um like the flow of his words so beautifully that it's like he's a he's a performer on the stage at the same time and then he's almost he's almost like a singer in the way that he uses his voice and then he's like a painter the way that he creates imagery, except it happens in each of the listeners minds instead of out in the three dimensional world. It's like, I was moved to tears and like full of joy, like taken to these highs and lows in like a one and a half minute poem.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think it's not one of my skills. I, I have not perfected that art but I think it's amazing and I think it's I think it's really where poetry is right now is the spoken word um, the slams and the performances um, another uh, spoken word artist to check out well there's so many amazing ones but one of my favorites is Andrea Gibson she's really wonderful I think she's from Denver and think no she won the Colorado slam poetry I'm not sure once, twice, many times. I don't know. Um, it's, it's definitely not my area of expertise, but, Oh, I love it. And I always would teach some of it because it was often a way that students really latched on because it's cool. It's, it's theater. Like you said, it's, um, theater, it's music. It's, um, it's just really, uh, a combination of many things and it's, really it takes a lot of talent
0: yeah well and and you just said it was cool and it really is cool I feel like uh you were always a very cool teacher <laughs> and a cool mom <laughs> and except
1: uh, one except reason wasn't
0: <laughs> except when you weren't when you weren't it wasn't that way but but when you were it was great. And uh, one thing that I think my friends always really liked about you was that you um, appreciated the hip hop that we listened to. Yes. Because uh, you could totally relate on that yep. level. And you encouraged us to dive into it.
1: And I got the carefully edited Eminem all the time.
0: You did get the edited I, version. I remember
1: telling my students how much I loved Eminem and they were like, really? You do? It's like oh yeah he's such a great lyricist the poetry and they'd be like you don't mind his language and I'm like oh his language is fine but then I realized <laughs> that I definitely got the edited versions
0: <laughs> and as far yeah. as
1: that his language is probably fine speaking of purpose audience and context
0: you know? right
1: I don't think I was his you know intended audience no talented man
0: yeah absolutely um now back to the like hand creativity element uh you have transitioned into doing sewing a lot yes and uh yeah why don't you talk about that a little bit
1: oh well when um when I finished teaching officially, I um, decided that I would follow my bliss basically. And that I would spend every day doing exactly what I wanted to do. I I knew I was going to be creative. I assumed that my bliss would lead me toward writing a book, but instead I found myself sewing things, making clothes. Um, I began, um, this journey of repurposing clothing. So I would buy sweaters and, um, I started making, uh, fingerless gloves with them. Uh, there's a really cool woman. If anybody wants to see some cool stuff, look up Catwise, K-A-T-W-I-S-E. Um, she's this old deadhead who lives in upstate New York in a rainbow house who, um, shares these patterns for upcycling sweaters and they're all very colorful and stripy and wild and wonderful. And um, so I started with the arm warmers and then I graduated to hoodies and these lovely swirly coats. And um, that just led to, you know, well, if I can sew that I can sew other things too. So um I tend to spend a lot of time at my sewing machine. I really enjoy it and my my favorite thing about sewing as opposed to writing. There are several things. One, it's much easier, I think, because um it's m- the gratification comes much quicker. Um when I cut things up, I start with these flat fabrics and I end up with three-dimensional objects. How cool is that? Um, I I sew very methodically I'm pretty I don't sew quickly I sew pretty slowly and I'm just always in awe of what happens Um, I love color in writing you have to create your own color Um, in sewing other people have created your color and all you need to do is put them together Um, my, my son, who's an artist, he he says that I have a good color sense. So that was, I was so (laughs) flattered when he said that. Um, but I, I do, I love color. So the things I create are usually very colorful. Um, and the thing about that too, is I found that people would buy what I made. Um, writing, it's way harder to sell what you make. (laughs) Um, You know, when you sew, you can just put it online on Etsy. You can go to craft shows and people just come and buy it. Although then I have to sell it and I don't like selling things very much, but I like them (laughs) once they're sold. Um, I don't know. Did that answer your question?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess I, I was thinking in terms of like the tactile, like working with your hands. Element? Do you feel like there's some something that you really get from that, or like what's the?
1: Oh yes. Is
0: there like a deeper satisfaction of what what's going on yes. there?
1: Sewing is very satisfying, and many of the things I make, I use um, use cashmere. I buy cashmere sweaters, and um, I have to say, one of my favorite things in the world is taking a pair of very sharp scissors and cutting up a cashmere sweater (laughs) it's really fun because that and then i i sew it back into something and um yeah but the the actual holding of what i've created is really fun and and just you know i can take a picture of it and show it to the world in a way that writing just doesn't work that way writing's at least For me, although it's probably the art that I'm most trained in and most experienced with, it's very hard. Sewing to me is pretty easy. Um, You know, and and I don't know if you, of course you remember when you were growing up, one of my favorite things to sew, I used to make you Halloween costumes. Mm -hmm. And you had the best Halloween costumes. Um, Yeah.
0: My dinosaur uh, in, like, kindergarten. Yeah. I was a Tyrannosaurus Rex. That was pretty outstanding.
1: Yes, he was really cool. Uh, <laughs> I have no idea where most of those ended up, but that was a great costume. It was really fun, complete with that big head with teeth. And And my favorite one that I made you was Edward Scissorhands.
0: Oh, yeah, that was funky. That was yeah, cool. you were
1: pretty great, Edward Scissorhands. <laughs>
0: um yeah cutting up the cashmere sweater that that's a really nice like visual and i the other day we were talking about um how when you're when we're younger like using scissors is such an interesting um experience like when you're really young because you can take this tool and then you can alter physically alter something and and then like the the shearing element of like two pieces of metal cutting together like when you know like really nice quality scissors like shears have this like really they make a cool sound they feel neat and then like and cashmere is like this like just so soft and like nice and almost like expensive (laughs) yeah like there's like almost like a divinity to it you know it's like oh that's casual you know and so and to cut that it's like there's one of my favorite quotes and I don't know who said it but my favorite quotes that I use all the time in my own head and then in talking with people about art is that every act of creation is at the same time an act of destruction
1: yeah yeah and it's interesting while while you were talking about using scissors I was thinking you know Normally I don't think of myself as a person who likes to destroy things, but I do, I love to cut into fabric. And I, you know, yes, the act of using scissors, it there's real power to it. You're taking something that's whole and cutting it into pieces. Of course, my goal is to then recreate it into more whole things, my own creations, you know, but still it's interesting
0: well and it's a decision that you're making too and you're you're making a decision for what you're going to do and then you're you're moving forward with it the scissors element is the moving forward of the decision making mm-hmm. and you know that feels really good and you know writer's block is a is a real thing that a lot of create you know it can happen in any creative field but sometimes just like getting things moving is all you need to get the train started. And then once the train's moving down the tracks, then it can pick up speed. And uh, yeah, I mean, sometimes just like, just getting it going, getting like throwing things out on the table and like rearranging or whatever. Yeah. Rearranging that is enough to get it flowing.
1: Well, and with writing, if you do have writer's block, the only way through writer's block is to write. Like, even yeah. if you have to do, you know, Natalie Goldberg's writing down the bones timed writing kind of stuff. Just write. Even if you are writing over and over, I have no idea what to write. I'm stuck. I can't write. You know, you'll get through it. It's, it's the way, you know, I've had many, many students tell me they have writer's block and I'm just like, well, then you just got to write, you know, you may end up tossing the first 10 pages of what you write, but just write, um, yeah
0: yeah and I would say that uh like writer's block is in your mind it's in the mind whereas true creativity is more in the soul in like the essence of our being like all of us I feel are creative and maybe we haven't been like cultivated that way or we haven't been taught to follow that you know people tell me all the time how not creative they are um but I don't believe any of them. And I feel like they just haven't been trained or they haven't been told that it's okay to like feel frustrated at the beginning. Like the the creative process is one that of like overcoming your frustrations with challenging moments. Well,
1: And I think people sell themselves short too. I mean, some of those people who are saying, you know, I'm not creative at all. And you look at them and they have on this like amazing outfit and, you know, really funky shoes and a wild haircut. And it's like, "Um, yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. You're totally creative. Or, or they say, you know, I'm not creative. I just, um, you know, spend my time um, cooking. And it's like, well, there you go. You're totally creative in the kitchen. Or, you know, I mean, I think, I think reminding people that well, of course you are just just expand yeah. it, go big, no. yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, or their house is like beautifully done, or their landscaping yes. is awesome, yeah, like creativity is just like decision making and then questioning and experimenting and like trying and then going and building off of that
1: you know it's it's funny I'm thinking that here you and I are talking about this, and it's like sound like they were you know cut from the same cloth Uh, you know (laughs) it's like yes we we definitely have the same mindset on on that I mean I actually even remember you saying it you when you were in high school and you spent all your time working on your watercolor technique which like nobody was teaching you, you were figuring it out on your own and you did it actually kind of different than most watercolors do, I think. And, you know, you were, you were always painting and drawing and and drawing athletes and your room was covered with your art. And you would say to me like, you know, I, I'm not creative. I'm just like, I know how to draw, but I'm, I'm not creative. I, you know, look at me, I'm a soccer player and I, you know, do you remember that? (laughs)
0: um I don't remember saying that but I could see that and I have I guess as an artist I've I had that sort of belief for a long time that I wasn't yeah that I wasn't that creative that I was like technically developed and that and I was and really I I was thinking that I'm just going to practice all these different techniques and at some point the creativity will strike um and I guess at this point in my, my career, I am really diving into the tech or the, uh, the creativity of it and, and, and like blending the two. And, and my belief in that is, is gone now. I'm like, no, I think maybe I just, maybe it was kind of like the Instagram effect where I was like, I mean, even though Instagram didn't exist back then, but it was like, I was looking at the end product that other artists with it were doing and I was like, "Well, I can't do that yet, and i don't I'm not at that level, so obviously I'm not creative I
1: think you were looking too at um, artists as how they presented as human beings, and you were like, Oh, I have to be weird right and, and you know at that point, I don't think you were too i mean you were you were you, but um, you know i think I think your weirdness has flourished as you've gotten older, but
0: yeah. I've embraced my weird,
1: <laughs> but I,
0: I, I mean, that, that was a thing too. Yeah. I, it, like in art school, I'm, I mean, a lot of listeners might not know who I am or what I look like. And those that do, I'm not, I'm, I don't look like a typical, like out there, weird artist guy. And, and with that, all the art, a lot of people in art school looked at me and were like, you're not the real deal. Cause you're not, Right. you know, Funky enough.
1: And yet you were painting all the time, creating all the time. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, certainly we've grown beyond like what an artist is supposed to look like, you know, like. Although interesting, I always thought that. And I don't know if this is what I should say in public, but I always thought that when I went to craft shows, if I looked different than I do, I might sell more because I create sort of this wild, funky stuff. But then when you look at me, I'm just kind of a normal looking old lady, you know? And I, I just wonder if I, you know, like had dreadlocks and tattoos and, you know, that people's perception would be different. Of course it would make me no different whatsoever, or it would make my art no different. You know, I I don't know. I think it's just, Like you said, the Instagram effect. Yeah. Um, And you can edit that out if you want.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I don't think I will. Um, But No, I think it's valid. And I think a lot of times we as artists and creators and like as we're creating ourselves and, you know, nowadays it's like we're everybody's a brand, you know, and and it's like who... the look on the outside has a lot to do with how people interact with us and our art. And, um, yeah, I, I, guess I play with my look all the time and like experiment with different kinds of hair and different kinds of like styles and whatever. And, and it is fun to see how people like interpret me and interpret the art, um, differently.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, yeah, it's a funny effect.
1: It is. Like, you know, there is sort of the artwork as it stands separate from the artist. You know, I mean, that's a whole huge topic. Even like when you think of some of the current celebrities who are in trouble or something, their whole body of work is getting discredited um, because of their misbehavior. And I, I, you know, I don't have any opinion either way. I don't think on that, but it's, it's kind of interesting.
0: It absolutely has an effect. I mean, like, look at, (laughs) you could compare uh, Bill Cosby before all the allegations and negative stuff came out and say Tom Hanks and they're kind of like similar actors tom hanks is way huger and like his movie elements and whatnot but they both have a similar like character to the public and then like all the bad stuff comes out about bill cosby and like you can't watch it the same it's like you can't like nothing is the same after that and it like you really i mean as an artist you as there is the art and then you as the artist but and, and I mean, you're definitely connected. We're all linked to our expression. Right.
1: Well, and, you know, as, you know, as your mom, I would say that far more important than your art is your character, Um, you know, but that, that's right. just me because <laughs> I'm right. your mom and I would hate for, you know, your character to be character to be less than it is.
0: Um, right yeah well and your art art like art is life and life is art that's one thing that i yeah really like to think And, and like we are like our art is an expression of us as an as a human and those same like i i sort of make my art uh through my ideals and my values and my vision and then i live my life the same exact way right um You know, and you can see that like, like Picasso is sort of uh, like an infamous artist these days Um, because like everyone thought he was so amazing and he did all these like amazing works and whatnot. But now like we look at him through the lens of like the Me Too movement and he was extremely misogynistic and he he wasn't a very good person. Um, by the standards of today and and his art expressed a lot of that too like you can see that that coming through in a lot of his art and it's it's hard for me to like Picasso's work that much anymore I mean there are definitely certain pieces like Guernica that are really that I still love but a lot of it i'm like cool he made a really good move and impact through cubism in certain spots but like do i like the guy definitely not
1: yeah interesting to use someone of that stature as an example
0: yeah yeah
1: wow.
0: hmm um, i'd like to kind of shift gears and um talk about like the the future and like what what kind of things are on your horizon? Like, what do you, what do you want to see creatively happen in your life in the next, like say year, three years, five years?
1: Well, there's the question of the day. Um, <laughs> usually we start there, don't we? Um, <laughs> um, that's a brilliant question. I don't know. I'm seeking that right now. Um, You know, a flippant offhand answer. I want to write a book. Um, I, But I guess something that I've been working on is creating this purpose statement. And my purpose statement is I need to discover a new way to share my wisdom with the world. And that's where I am.
0: Why do you need a new way?
1: Because I think my old way was teaching. I think that was how I shared my wisdom with the world. And um, I am currently not teaching. So, you know, not formally teaching. I hope I'm still teaching a little bit here and there. Um, You know, just by life example, et cetera. But, um, you know, I, I... think it's a book but i don't know that for 100 percent sure shoot maybe it's spoken word poetry uh, mm-hmm. i don't know how's that for a good answer
0: that's good how am i like what's the what are some things that uh you feel like you would want to talk about or or, or like express what, what things fire you up right now
1: um, well, I suppose, you know, what I'm most fired up about is that we need to be kind to each other, that we are, you know, I'm going to sound so hippie, groovy here, but, you know, we're all on the same path together, we all live on this beautiful planet, and we need to do everything in our power to save it, to maybe save ourselves. The planet's gonna be fine, actually, whether we live or die. Um, But I would, I prefer to see humanity um, continue, particularly if we can be humane. Um, I've always been very, very pacifist, Um, I don't like weapons and I don't like war and, um, we need to love each other, you know, like, and we need, we need to take care of each other. We need to take care of those who are less privileged in any way um physical ability, financial ability, emotional ability. We need to take care of people. And so how that gets across whether it's through a, you know, work of fiction or essays or I don't know, book of poems, I'm not sure.
0: Nice. Um, I uh that just spurred a thought. I I feel like a lot of people, uh, interpret pacifism as a form of weakness. What do you, what do you think about that?
1: Oh, I, I do know that people interpret it that way. Um, I was in a, a teaching position one time where I took over for a teacher who ran the classroom as a gang and, um, Part of it was like actually hitting each other and I would not allow it. And my students um, often were like, you know, you're so weak and you're making us weak because you won't allow that. And and there I was like standing in front of these 18 year old men who were all a foot taller than I was saying, absolutely not. You will not hit this young woman with your paddles even though you think it's okay and um you know they they definitely told me that i was weak and i was making them weak and i it was one of the strongest stances i've ever taken on something um and you know and then one of the kids threatened to kill me and you know that was a that was a tough situation jeez Um, So, yes, I believe pacifism is is often seen as weak. And yet I think in some ways, when someone has wronged us, turning to them and saying, I feel wronged, can we make this right, is one of the hardest, strongest things anyone can ever do. So that's my response to it. I think responding in anger and force and strength is not, you know, with physical strength is not always um, strong. Sometimes it's weak. Because it's easy to overpower someone if you have the physical power or the financial power or the firepower. Um, What is, what makes you stronger is if you can you know, say, Hey, let's get on the same level and talk. Let's work this out. And, and I may be completely naive, but I think that's what we should do on a personal level, on a community level, on a national level and a global level.
0: I think, I mean, I, I totally agree. I'll jump on the hippie boat with you there (laughs) and I mean, it's, it's easy to respond in force with aggression. It's like that's our natural instinct. If you look at, you know, different apes, when they get upset at each other, they just hit each other. Like what takes true strength is to have restraint. And I feel like compassion for another person, like being able to see through somebody else's eyes and see what they're going through like the reasons why they are doing what they're doing and not responding with force back but like cutting through that and then like like holding space connecting to the human to the human element in someone else um that i feel like that's where the the strength lies where the discipline lies and and that's so much more challenging than just like Sweet, launch a rocket. Problem? There's a problem there, so let's, like, blow it up. Right. Rather than transmuting. Like, transmuting transmuting of negative energy is, like, one of the most challenging things. But it's also the the best long-term solution.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think we want to look at these things in terms of long-term solution, not just what's, you know, that whole... uh, not necessarily thinking of war but like that whole idea of planting a tree you know what faith that takes like an oak tree or something that you probably you know won't be around to see it grow huge and toss acorns but your children or your grandchildren future generations will um, yeah I'm, you, your mom is a hippie I can't help it
0: <laughs> uh, Hippy is such a funny term. I know because usually
1: the adjective before it is dirty. Yeah, and I took a shower, so <laughs> um, I I hold hippies in very high esteem. Like, yeah. who, like yeah. it's you know perhaps because I grew up in the late sixties and seventies. And that philosophy was so appealing to me. You know, starting with, you know, the beatniks, and moving forward from there, um, I really, you know, of course, I read books and I wrote, and I totally bought into that philosophy.
0: Yeah, and it's a it's a philosophy based on peace and equality and love. And compassion and things like that.
1: And the earth, a lot of ecology. Yeah. Um, I took the very, one of the very first, as it turns out, after research, I found this out, one of the very first literature of ecology classes ever taught in the United States. And uh, it was, that was really very influential in my growth. As a thinker and as a person.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah,
1: it was cool. We were celebrating Earth Day in a big way. Yeah, yeah,
0: that's a breakthrough. The Earth could uh, could use some allies. Yep, and even that's... back
1: then in nineteen seventy eight
0: yeah yeah we were uh,
1: Uh, we invited uh, we invited the poet Gary Snyder to come to our Earth Day celebration and he did and if you've never read any Gary Snyder you should go read some Gary Snyder
0: Gary Snyder yeah he
1: was one of the beats and
0: what was the what was the sort of defining characteristic of the beatniks and the beat poets. Well, the
1: beat poets um, were basically questioning everything that existed. And um, much of it was a critique of what existed. Um, Allen Ginsberg and Jack Kerouac, Neil Cassidy, were some of the ringleaders, and they wanted to experience everything with an open mind um, and write about it, and they did. And it was it was one of those movements, I believe, similar to the Renaissance artists, where these amazing minds all came together. At the same time and just you know the synergy was incredible and they um you know broke every rule they could think of um and then
0: yeah and and so they were
1: kind of the precursors of the hippies
0: nice yeah and uh I mean, it makes sense to me looking at the history of the last century, like uh, the world was one way before world war one, you know, and, and wars were a certain way. And, um, you know, they were bad. They were very bad always, but at least people were like hand to hand combat sort of the thing. And then world war one came and just like destroyed Europe and, and everything was different and like so people were like giving their lives to their country but the, the war is just like ate Europe alive and then 10 years later or 20 years later you know you had like the depression happen and then you had World War Two. and at that point everyone was just like giving themselves to their country to giving their lives up and then uh, yeah, those major elements happened, and so many people just like had their lives turned upside down. So many people died. Um, you know, bombs on scales that had never been imagined before were happening, and then the fifties in America, and well, fifties happened, and it was like uh, suburbs were created, and like the way of life totally changed. Highways were created, and then uh, out of that, like people people were driving on highways a lot and like um, everything was just sort of cookie cutter, like McDonald's, big box start, stuff started to happen. And everyone still was like, you know, just go with what's told, like what do what you're told. But and and you know, part back. of
1: that was too, that then there was this prosperity that was happening. And so, you know, the, the, the household made up of the mom and dad and two kids and the dog and the picket fence was was huge and I think the beats were a real reaction to that Um,
0: yeah well and it's funny that the beats happened at the same time as like Andy Warhol and a lot of the abstract expressionists that really came in that time period Um, like Andy Warhol was a reaction to the like that that prosperity, that um, cookie cutter ness, like how everything was just sort of being whitewashed, and everybody got yeah that picket fence and the dishwasher and the washer dryer and the wife was at home cooking every meal and um, leave it to Beaver style. And it's interesting that like the the like the cultural reaction to that was the Beats and and Warhol and all these these people in various. Um, styles of art. It's interesting how many
1: times in history art is the revolution it's you know I mean you figure with Walt Whitman and Emily Dickinson in the 1860s and then um, the modernists in the early 20th century and then you know I mean like art is often like if not leading at least a big part of the rebellion against the status quo when, when people get like just too settled in a way that things are supposed to be art and literature question it.
0: Well, and like you said uh, at the beginning, like writing is an expression of an idea and writing is an art, just like any other type of art. And they're all expressions of ideas. You see, you know, you see that all the time. Like, during the Gulf Wars, there was a lot of music and art going against it and fighting. Like it's people's thoughts that are coming out in color or music or words. And so of course, like, of course it, it, it's expressed that way. Yeah. You sort of have this like natural uh, dichotomy between like the artists and creators, creatives, and then these like bigger forces like the military industrial complex or like governments trying to use people or do things to people on a large scale like the hippies were like the expression of like the greater consciousness of the country saying no to vietnam right. we're like fighting against vietnam and like no we don't want to go to war it's oh yeah you know the-, and
1: the musicians were such a big part of that too the musicians, yeah. the poets, the, the playwrights, you know, the artists, yeah, the, the creatives. They're, and maybe, maybe they aren't really um, outliers. Maybe they are actually speaking for the people. I don't know.
0: Oh, totally.
1: Maybe some of each. Totally. And
0: maybe what's that? some
1: of each. Maybe they are a little bit of the outliers. And maybe they are also speaking for the people
0: yeah i think I think that's probably accurate um, yeah that's really interesting.
1: I know I feel like we've brought up more questions than we've actually answered
0: <laughs> well, that's the idea this i mean this podcast is the art it's art and life and the philosophy of both and like it's meant to be just this like meandering um sort of conversation with different minds about about everything so
1: <laughs> well this will be a good one to go back to sometime if you're ever wondering like man why do I think the way I think I'm sure I, I mean I, <laughs> I know I'm not fully responsible but you and I did have a lot of talks when you were growing up
0: <laughs> we had our talk we had a lot
1: <laughs> mom I have an idea
0: Mom,
1: yeah. I have an idea And you'd come up with these amazing ideas. (laughs) And you still occasionally will call me and say, Mom, I have an idea. (laughs) That's where it all starts. That's That's where this podcast.
0: (laughs) Yep. And here we
1: are.
0: (laughs) Wow. Nice way to weave it in. We were talking about the word meta the other day. That's great. (laughs) This is super meta right now. <laughs> um, well, on that note, um, why don't you tell everybody where the best place to follow you or connect with you and see your art um, would be? All
1: right. Um, I am on Instagram at m s e w. A-N-N-I-E-M, I I think. And um, I have an Etsy shop that is Sew Again Girls. And I think that's the best way to follow me, particularly on Instagram.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you're very active there. Yes.
1: And, you know, you get to not only see my Sewing creations. Sometimes you get to see pictures of my children who are also my creations. Well, I, I started them. I didn't, they, they're kind of on their own now in, in creating themselves, <laughs> but I started them.
0: Yeah, that's called collaborative, collaborative
1: art. Yes. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, is there anyone you want to give a shout out to? Oh, wow. You know about shout outs. I
1: don't know about shout outs.
0: <laughs> it would be anyone you want to say hi to or anything like that. Special, special what's up?
1: Oh. Um, you got me there. You know, because I think it's usually like, hi, mom. Hi, dad.
0: Yeah. Or you could say hi to Scout and Wesley, oh. your grand.
1: Yes. Scout and Wesley Gallegos.
0: Yeah. My mo- my Montana
1: wild ones.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, all right, cool. Well, anything else? You got anything else for the people?
1: Um. Thanks for listening. <laughs> if you made it this far, you are a brave human.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Thanks for listening, everybody. Um. Yeah, mom. Let's go. Uh, let's go get a All beer. All
1: right, sounds good. We'll celebrate.
0: Okay, yeah. cool. Bye. Bye. So again, you can always edit a bad page. You can't edit a blank page, by Jody Picoult. So thanks for listening. That was my mom and Mitchell. Uh, you can find her on Instagram at SoAnnieM Uh That was a really cool conversation These uh, these podcast interviews are really fun Because they sort of take on a life of their own And they go in all sorts of directions And it's it's cool, cool for me to observe as it's happening And I hope you're enjoying it um, Yeah, these podcasts are intended for you and for everybody to listen while you're being creative while you're working while you're um looking for ways to uh, expand your your ideas and your mind and it's definitely doing that for me already and i'm looking forward to doing more again my name is taylor gallegos uh you can find me on instagram at tg art definitely reach out to me say hi let me know you're listening and what you think of these um, yeah, I'm up for all sorts of critique. So yeah, shoot my way. And I hope that you have a great day and get out there and get creative. Cheers.